0: Welcome to
1: the Make Your Friends Rich Podcast, dedicated to founders and their friends enriching each other, and how that love fest can manifest into beautiful things. We're your hosts, Megan Everett and Lance Pinn. In the years we've known one another, we've helped each other make money and friends that that have changed our lives. lives. Remembering always, it's not what you know, but who you know.
0: And how useful you can be to each other that can really change your situations in life.
2: What we really recognized was we needed a true point guard. And Jeremy just happened to be one. Well. You know, as you know, the position, point guards pretty much uh, direct the offense. They bring the ball up. They set up the offenses. They set up the strategy and without one, you know, also scoring as well, you can't really win a game. There's no way. like how many times you watch a uh, NBA game and you could tell Chris Paul is just more knowledgeable than the other point guard and they just win. So that's what we were really missing at our company. We were missing a true person who could really direct, uh, what's going on. Take in the talent you have and deliver the ball and to get it in the hoop so you guys can we can win some games
1: this episode features two entrepreneurs that are working together to take an experiential outdoor sports health and wellness business nationwide gal carp and jeremy fishman take us down the path from playing basketball together at the local community center for years to one day realizing they had exactly what each other needed to create an amazing team so if you're looking for help identifying a partner for your next venture, please listen with us as we make friends with two guys who did exactly that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Your Friends Rich Podcast. We're your hosts, Lance Pinn and Megan Everett. And today on our show, we've got Tree Runner, Adventure Parks, Tag Team Duo, Gal Carp, and Jeremy Fishman. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to join.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. So um, I know you guys for a couple of years now, but uh, nobody wants to hear from me. Uh, Gall, Jeremy, how'd you guys find yourselves working together? And I guess, Jeremy, why don't you start by giving us a quick intro? What is Tree Runner Adventure Park?
3: Yeah, uh, thanks, Lance. Uh, I get the lowball question. Gall can take the hard one. Um, so Tree Runner Adventure Park, um, we own and operate four aerial adventure parks um, in the Midwest, um, three in the state of Michigan and one in North Carolina. And um, basically what an aerial adventure park is, is think canopy tour meets indoor or outdoor rock climbing and zip lines. Um, So it's like a ropes course meets zip line canopy tour meets indoor rock climbing. and. They are the most incredible experience you could ever have outdoors or indoors. Um, and we are very, very fortunate to, to have our four that we operate You know, every single year.
2: Yes, yeah, g- good explanation. So our parks are located in beautiful forests. Um, most people have to get in their car and drive, what, four or five hours to find the nearest decent, I wouldn't even say national park, but county park or state park that, will give them that feeling of really being in the outdoors. Um, our parks are located in areas um, in metro, uh, larger cities between Raleigh, Detroit, Grand Rapids. Uh, we have a couple other spots there are coming up soon that uh, you can drive 15, 20 minutes, half hour, and you're there, you're in the trees. So um, a really nice experience um, and makes you feel like you're on vacation almost. Hey,
0: hey, he this
1: is in the
0: Valley. On vacation. Yeah. Listen, listen. But the I ants- live in one of those places, so I can't really complain. I'm like We're, very close oh yeah. to Yosemite in Stanislaus National Park. Yeah.
2: So, how close, is Park where I live. how close are you to the National Park?
0: So, mile wise, I'm about 20 miles, but like driving, it's almost an hour to get to the valley.
2: And was it great hiking there? Is that your favorite part of that park?
0: Did everybody freeze or is it just me?
1: Just you. I think it's just you. And it's hilarious. You're over here talking all oh. this smack about how great it is <laughs> that you live in Shangri-La, but you can't get good signal. <laughs> ha. Okay. So back to back to Gaul, because if you get Gaul on a personal note, yes. he's gonna ask all about you. Uh, but yes, she does live in okay. sort of a par- paradise little uh, situation. But Gall, how did you find yourself in the adventure park? business, and how did you meet Jeremy? The audience can't tell because we're on podcast, but Jeremy's slightly younger uh, than Gaul, and so I, I'm wondering how this match made in heaven. Well, uh, well,
2: hold on a second. Maybe in
1: numbers, but definitely not mentally,
2: so, <laughs> and that's more of a burn for me than him, but anyway, um, about 11 years ago, on Father's Day, we went to a whitewater- expedition in West Virginia. It was about seven hour drive from the Detroit area, closest, you know, decent rafting. And, uh, you stay overnight there. So seven hours obviously is a a little longer than you want to just go there and come back. So we stayed for a few nights. Uh, we got there the next morning we did our rafting and the rafting was done by 12. So we had another night and another day and we're like, what are we gonna do the rest of the day here? Fortunately, they not only had some canopy tours, but they had an adventure perk, uh, the ropes course and the zip lines. Uh, had never seen one, never really heard of it. Uh, I'm a former ski instructor. So they have a very similar way of telling you how the courses go, You know, green, blue, black. And immediately it just made sense so I'm like, obviously the green is the easiest, the blue is a little harder and I should go right on the black, you know, cause it can't be too hard. Cause you know, come on, I was a ski instructor. So uh, I went right on the black and I think on my third bridge, it was like this drop in the zip line. And I just looked at myself and said, what, what was I thinking here? Like no one, you know, really told me what to do. I was doing it alone. Uh, it wasn't as busy as I, you know, it usually is, and." Um, I made the effort to really say, I can do this. It's a system and I got to trust in it. And I did my first uh, zip line. Um, Then there was like a free fall uh, off of True Blue, that you know, what you guys use in the climbing industry. And I said, This is really interesting. Spent the rest of the afternoon there and wrote down all the names of the manufacturers of the equipment and um, went to work. I said, hey, we got to do one in Michigan. So I looked them all up and located the US reps and uh, flash forward two and a half years later, we had our first park. So, um, and then as far as- Hold on, me, let, me, let me interrupt you. What?
1: Let oh, me interrupt okay, you just sorry. for a second, sorry. No, no, I need the Jeremy part, but uh, for the audience members that might not be familiar with the lingo, True Blue is the manufacturer of the automatic belay device system it's like a truck brake that pushes on a tether and allows you to come down safely, uh, slowly, every single time. So that's what he was talking about there. And uh, I also, uh, you know, people being visual when they're thinking about this, what kind of equipment did you have on uh, when, when you're zip lining around? It's, uh, it's a full body harness. Any, any special name to it?
2: Right. So they give you a full body harness um, or a half harness, but you feel very secure. And then there are clips attached to it. In this case, these were the Bornax system from Germany. And um, unlike the Boy Scout days and the true ropes course that people you know, knew about, you, once you get on the course because of this more advanced clip system, you can't get off. So uh, the old ropes course, you would manually detach the clips as you climb through and you could be completely loose from the cable, from the course standing 30 feet above. This system basically made sure you couldn't do that. If you're gonna get up there, you can't get off till the end. So that was part of the reason it was just so much um, more exciting to, to visualize and be part of it.
1: Just didn't want anybody to think that you're crazy and this is uh, out, out of their lane. It's totally something everyone can do.
2: Right, anyone can do it. Um, uh, but anyway, we went through the process of finding a site. Myself uh, negotiated with several landlords until we settled on you know one specific site. Um, it, it's interesting because it sort of opens the door to public-private partnerships and nonprofit-private uh, business operations. There's so many um, campuses, whether it's college campuses, private schools uh, religious centers, in our case, Jewish community centers that have large campuses and they're not making money. You know, they're not, you know, they're a nonprofit, but nonprofits still have to break even. And, uh, they have a lot of additional land and we identified this and that's how we started to say, Hey, you know, that seven acres of trees you got in the back there, what are you doing with it? And they said, I don't know. What do you think? We were going to cut the trees down i said no no, no let, let, let's i got this other idea they said all right well if it doesn't cost us anything feel free to go through it
1: so if you really, get the- it's a really good idea very very value driven uh and i know a little bit about you but uh you you happen to have some insight on development and getting the highest and best use out of property right uh
2: my my business really is uh, building apartment buildings and homes and, uh, it, it's, it's a lot, uh, less fun business than this, but, uh, you know, so many people want to be in real estate, can be in real estate. And what most people don't realize though, is if you're truly a developer, if you truly do something ground up, you can't like half-ass it. Once you're in, you're in and it's all in, it's not just in physically and mentally, monetarily. So it's, it's. No, no messing around. You can't just say I invested in this and it's looking good.
1: So you, you have a high standard. Therefore, how did you, how did you come across Jeremy and, and know that he was the right one to, to lead the company?
2: Well, the original park in West Bloomfield, Michigan, uh, located at Jewish Community Center in the metropolitan Detroit area, um, by year two was actually very successful. Uh, it already did 40,000 climbers. Uh, in four months of really true operating time, Memorial Day, Labor Day, that's, that's a really good number. Um, but over time, we realized it was um, producing revenue, but not really the profits that it should be. So if I called, I said, Lance, Megan, I got this idea. Um, there's this cool place I'm going to do in the woods. And I want you guys to invest some money if you're interested. And you're going to say, what are you talking about? You're going to build a zipline thing just outside Detroit. How do I get my money back and how do we make money? So I would show you the information, show you the numbers that we've already uh, attained. And but it's still risky because in our business, we don't own the land. uh, We rent. And if we don't operate it, it's worth nothing. So it's a much riskier investment than most real estate. Uh, real estate, as you know, uh, has something to it. So that's why so many people invest because they say, hey, at worst, there's up and down markets. At least I have a house. At least I have an apartment building that maybe right now is not doing great. But in two years, it's 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 tangible. I can see it. Um, but anyway, we realized I don't want to keep talking all day because you, you guys are so fun. You have good voices. So any anytime you guys want to jump in, I don't want to be the only guy here. Um, but we I really realized that we needed um, someone who was much more administrative driven, someone who really understood numbers, who understood at the end of the day, this is a business. And while we're providing something wonderful for the local community and jobs and all that, people only like to do that so long. You know, you can't expand the business um, too too often. If it doesn't produce a return and 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 we're not talking big returns we're talking more getting your money back feeling really good about yourself but getting a fair return especially in this market um and it sort of led to uh who is this person where can i find somebody else that really understands the combination of running the business properly uh people and this actual business um fortunately we had a event at the jewish community center a couple years back a large uh jewish olympic event uh this is where jokes come in but um the the (laughs) anyway we had a wonderful event at the jewish community center um thousands of kids came in from all over the country it took a couple years to organize it was a pretty massive uh event to really put together and knowing how many coaches and how many people and how many parents involved, uh, seeing it firsthand. And actually my son participated in one in, the, in that Maccabi games. Uh, and we had meetings for months and months before I said, who the heck is running this thing? So, uh, went to one of the meetings and I look up and, and by the way, they, uh, by super default, they said, Hey, would you like to be an assistant coach? I said, sure, I, I could assist and coach golf. I could, I could do that. Good, um, maybe, you know, volleyball. Uh, I can stand and pretend I'm a baseball coach. I could do that. They said, no, 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 no. You, you can be the girls' head basketball coach. So I'm like, uh, okay, how how much work is this, and what are we doing, and uh, can I just give them the ball and let them run up and down the court and tell them the score and shoot threes. Uh, But anyway, I went went to a meeting and I look up and the guy who they introduce is the head of the Maccabi Games in Detroit is none other than Jeremy Fishman, who I know very well from uh, our Sunday morning basketball games. Um, Jeremy has a lot of experience playing basketball quick and, and, you know, it's my job uh, as a little bit older guy and pretty fast who doesn't score as much to follow the shit out of him. So that, that's how I knew Jeremy. He was like running up and down the court shooting baskets. And I'm like, wait a second. That's the guy from the uh, basketball. And I sort of had an idea. I said, you know, it's Megan's turn.
0: I was going to jump in and just ask Jeremy like a little bit about his background. Cause this is super impressive. Um, I've worked a little bit with JCC and they were a client of mine at an old co- company. Um, but what they do is great, and I've never heard of this Olympics, but I'd love to hear more your background and how you tie into Tree Runner, which Yeah, I think is I mean, where we were leading. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you remember it the same way?
3: So um, I do remember the fouls, that's for sure. Um, no. Um, so
2: I, I did make an attempt for the ball. I just wanted to say I didn't just hack. So I just want to be clear. I'm not an unfair player. Um, so
3: JCC Maccabi, uh, the program that Gall was referencing is, is, is kind of, you know, it's another, it's funny. Cause I, I went from one fairly ambiguous business to another one, um, something that's not necessarily super, uh, uh, common or, or understood. So JCC Maccabi is an international, uh, Jewish, uh, teen Olympic style sports tournament and arts fest, art showcase. Um, it. Happens um, pre-COVID, it was happening annually. Um, it typically involved four or five continents uh, of, of athletes and and, uh, and artists, and they would converge on one particular area, or or maybe multiple if it was a, if it was a pretty big year um, uh, metro area within the United States, um, or sometimes internationally for a basically a week long exhibition. And uh, Detroit is hosted more than any other. Uh, city just because of its unique size and uh, uh, size and physical size of their Jewish Community Center as well Um, and uh, we had like 1500 athletes and artists 1400 of which were the athletes Um, we house them we feed them we transport them Um, it's like I I can't remember the exact number offhand but it was 14 or 15 sports Um, so we're using seven or eight different venues Every single night, we would have what we call bar mitzvah parties on steroids. Um, so we'd bring everybody together somewhere cool. Um, we did like an Olympic style opening ceremony at Little Caesars Arena, which was just in its infancy at the time, which was absolutely remarkable. Um, so it was it a was really, really great event, um, went very successfully. And I remember a lot of, you know, it's funny because, you know, seeing it from the other side of the coin, I remember... Um, from my flip side uh seeing that gall-, gall was a later add to the coaching squad if you will um, really late <laughs> so uh i think it was in like the, the event was like beginning of august and i think he came in in june which doesn't sound like the last minute but well was, i, I you think know.
2: i was like a week and a half before yeah I was it was the assistant coach and then the yeah and then the
3: coach. guy yeah so um i remember you know we we a lot of things were set. I mean, our venues were set about 14 to 16 months ahead of time little of arena, same thing. Um, uh, so we, so it it was, it was a little, I don't want to say the word last second, but it was, it was one of the, the, the later ads. And I remember being like, Hey, I, I know that guy. That's so funny because I've been, we've been playing Sunday morning ball together since for probably 10 years, if not eight, eight to 10 years. So, um, went way back. Um, and, you know, I remember at the end, so, so the, the program, you know, was a week long and then there was a, a decompression period. And then, um, you know, there was, there was on to the next project, next adventure. And, and I remember, you know, we were, we were with each other one Sunday and just kind of the discussion came up about what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm still kind of, we're still kind of figuring that out and I'm looking at opportunities and, and one thing led to another. And we, next thing we know, we're in an Einstein's and, uh, and, and, and trying to you know talk through how we can make this a success.
2: You know, um, Lance and Megan, what we really recognized was we needed a true point guard and Jeremy just happened to be one. You know, uh, as you know, the position point guards pretty much um, direct the offense. They bring the ball up, they set up the offenses, they set up the strategy and without one, you know, also scoring as well, you can't really win a game. There's no way. like how many times do you watch an NBA game and you could tell Chris Paul is just more knowledgeable than the other point guard and they just win. So that's what we were really missing at our company. We were missing a true person who could really direct uh, what's going on, take in the talent you have and deliver the ball and try to get it in the hoop. So you guys can, we can win some games.
1: I think we found our clip for uh, instagram it's pretty pretty cool pretty cool um so uh jeremy i i happen to know that you're uh, i think you're still in your 20s um how long ago was this and how long were you at the jcc and like tell us a little bit more about your background yeah so um so i was the youngest as you might
3: i kind of were alluding to that i was the youngest director for the jcc maccabi program and it's Thirty-six year, thirty-seven year uh, history. Um, so at least you know, out of seventy people at that point, probably 50, sixty to seventy. Um, and the the way that I kind of came into that, if you will, is so I played um, I played basketball uh, in undergrad uh, for a couple years, um, and uh, I got hurt uh, at the end of my sophomore year, and and that was when we kind of decided. That was when I was going to be done playing. And then I came home uh, and I started, I started school at home and started coaching and got involved with JCC Maccabi through that. And also in the high schools, ironically, just like golf coaching girls, um, there's some serendipity there. And, um, and one thing led to another with that program. And that's how I got involved in the interview process for that director position. Um, as far as, you know, my education, I'm, I'm, I, my, my master's is in, uh, it's an MBA, but the emphasis was in organizational behavior, which is just a, basically it's a fancy word for business psychology. Um, so, uh, before, you know, using that, you know, as far as, as with tree runner specifically, um, that experience, uh, is, is really hands-on and effective because, uh, that role is very similar in a lot of ways to what we do with, tree runner because it is seasonal that, you know, we have kind of like we're bracing for a sprint. We have that sprint and then, you know, you, you're, you're planning again for the next one. And uh, it, was, it was really real, uh, it was applicable. And then uh, getting some experience previous to the Maccabi program in, you know, in real estate um, was also uh, incredibly helpful for me as well in commercial specifically.
1: I have more tree runner questions. Uh, but I do want to focus on the, the fact that the two of you are tremendous athletes and you guys get after it. You get after it early. Can you take us through like your regimen, uh, Jeremy? And then you go as well. Cause I, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, I think it's very impactful to your like, performance. you guys have and, like
0: a, you have like a morning sports regimen or workout regimen? I would love to hear this too.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm
3: I, I, Gall to, to some extent, but uh, I, he knows I am almost uh, religious in my morning routine, and um, I wake up every day. I have before like 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning, I usually have at least a 100 ounces of water in my body. Um, I usually go for at least three like th- three and a half to four mile runs every day um, uh, and then s- switch in some basketball and some weight training with it too. But I, I'm up every day like five o'clock or, or before really. Uh, taking advantage of that time, I think it's it's the easiest time of the day to get to be productive um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and you know, I once heard a story about a guy. His name is Matt Ishbia. He's the CEO and founder of United Wholesale Mortgage, and um, which is located nearby us here in Detroit in Pontiac. And uh, I, I, the story goes that there was a an employee at Wholesale Mortgage who decided. They were starting They really wanted to take their career seriously, so they said, "You know what? I'm going to get in before anybody else and be productive before anybody else when nobody's going to bother me because I need to get my work done." And they got up and they got there at seven o'clock and they're like, "I'm I'm ready. I'm ready." And they said, "Matt Ishbia's lights on," and they were like, "That's weird. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him." So the next day they wake up and they come at six thirty and they go, "I'm going to get there at six thirty. I'm beating Matt Ishbia. I'm beating the CEO." Because there there at six thirty, Matt should be his lights still on. So he does the same thing: six o'clock, five thirty, all the way until he can beat Matt, the CEO there. And I thought that was just such a, a microcosm of a larger concept of like the mornings being, you know, if you need to get something done, if you if you want to be productive, particularly as an entrepreneur, like the mornings, in my opinion, are are so pivotal in in doing something, you know, productive and doing something meaningful because it truly is a time when
1: you're not, you're gonna be able to be purely productive. Meanwhile, Matt Ishbia just left his light on like some jerk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right. I don't know, you know him. What
0: I mean? <laughs> Lance and I have talked about this. Like, I don't schedule anything on my calendar before 9 a.m. And it's just because people are less likely to interrupt me between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. So I get almost everything like paperwork done for my companies before 9 a.m. Because otherwise, there's no way it's getting done unless I do it at 11 p.m. So I totally get that and agree.
1: Okay, golf. you have a six pack. That's I know call. that about you. <laughs> Tell us how you do it. Uh,
2: I think it's a four only, but uh, I just got into CrossFitting like 10 years ago. And I went to gyms all the time, played a lot of sports, but realized that my, for golf and hockey, my two favorite, uh, and even basketball. Your uh, core has to be much stronger, especially as you get older. And I just looked at different, you know, exercises and different gyms and so on. And I checked out this CrossFit. Um, I'm a little older than most of the people there. But uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with CrossFit at all, but it's not just a gym. It's it's literally a social experience, sort of a way of life. These people truly believe in it. And they have uh, gyms all over the world. And they've had their ups and downs, but they created CrossFit games out of it. Well, needless to say, if you look at the CrossFit games—not that I would ever be in there—I don't know if they even let me watch—but the people in there, it's crazy. And you know, not uh, to—the women can lift a lot more weight than most men. And it's—it's not just about weightlifting; it's a combination. But anyway, short story shorter. I got into it. I think that everybody has their vice, uh, whether it's eating, you know, good drinks, uh, cooking, you know, going to movies, whatever. And you need something that you can go to that really gives you those endorphins and that uh, constant feeling that every day is is right and starts the right way. Something to go to. I mean, hot showers really good too, right? But CrossFit sort of and working out uh, worked for me a lot. And um, just consistently go, even if I don't want to, even if it's a bad day.
1: Yeah, I was um, uh, unsure. Well, okay. You you guys being such good sports people, um, I I believe there's something to do with how much you enjoy the offering that you produce with Tree Runner um, because of the physicality of it. I have I've happened to experience it, and I brought my friends to go check out uh, the North Carolina facility. And as you mentioned. When you're with your friends, maybe you have a couple beverages in the evening. Next day, you're not feeling so hot. But we were not expecting a workout there. I thought we were going to get Swiss Family Robinson action going on, and I was going to, you know. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a surprising amount of tensile strength uh, involved in in climbing the apparatus. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about it as like a cross training? uh tool like do you find that athletes enjoy coming together and, and experiencing their bodies that way
3: i mean with without a doubt um our experiences that athletes just like gall did and, I, and i'll and i'll just preface it with gall runs circles around most of the guys we play with from a cardio perspective so very you know so he's he, he's not a he's not out of shape by any means but um a lot of people go into it particularly athletes with the same uh, momentum and the same ideology that he did of like oh i'm going to tackle this no problem like this is going to be light work and you get through it and you're like crap like this is this is legitimate like you do a yellow you know you do a yellow just to warm up you know that's like your dynamic warm up and then you get to a green, you're like you know this this you know this isn't a joke and then you get to a blue and you're like okay you know okay and then you go to you know a black level or double black, even you're like, Oh my gosh, what did I, you know, this is not, so this is not for the faint of heart. So it, it's without a doubt, there's a, there's a huge cross-training benefit. We've worked with Spartan races, Tough Mudder, um, Orange Theory uh, gyms. I mean, we, yoga studios for that matter. Um, we've had a lot of experience with cross-training of different athletes. And we have tons of sports teams that come to our facility as a group, um, they don't necessarily come cause they think they're going to get a big, a great workout out of it. But by the end of it, they understand that there, there is that benefit as well. And what's great about it
2: is that you use muscles that you otherwise wouldn't in any other sport. So we had, um, the Carolina hurricanes hockey team actually come to the park and Raleigh. uh, you know, incredible athletes, showed up because the general manager i who i happen to know made them go this was the year before they didn't make the playoffs and this was the preseason. he sent them out and he felt it was a really good bonding experience for them but most of them showed up and said yeah this is gonna be uh, no problem at all um they did go through some team building which was really nice uh we have some really fun videos if you ever want to see it of a bunch of grown men holding hands and putting a hula hoop through themselves. And um, but then they got on the course. That's, that's my
1: favorite TikTok channel for sure. TikTok
2: channel, there you go. We'll send it to you. They they had actually a whole crew out from the hurricanes filming this so they could show it to the the general public at the games. They wanted to show, you know, these guys are real people too. I know um, good
1: content when I hear about it for sure.
2: But the guys went on the course. And every one of them pretty much said this is no problem. And I can tell you that probably 70% of them, once they got to the blue, you know, the harder courses and pretty much skipped the easy ones, um, were like looking at themselves and saying, How do I do this again? And what is going on here? Like this is supposed to be easy for me. And I wouldn't call it super hard for them, but they were
1: very surprised of the actual workout. Awesome. Awesome um i uh i asked that question because i happen to know that you have another project coming up pretty soon and its proximity to a bunch of other sports venues um uh, it, it leaves a lot of room for the imagination so yeah i i think you guys have the closest thing to a uh adventure uh, ninja warrior style of experience and it's even cooler because it's in the woods so you're like robin hood adventure warrior. I don't don't know. Uh, But uh, yeah, tell us about, that was a very roundabout way to get to my question. Tell us about your new project in Indiana and uh, where it's located and and, uh, what's going on over there. You're muted. Sorry. Yeah, I'm back.
2: Sorry. Uh, Jeremy, you can jump in anytime too. But um, this project's located just outside Indianapolis uh, at a place called Grand Park. And it's Grands, Uh, The city of Westfield, Indiana, in a giant farm, uh, basically built the largest sports facility in the country, uh, for sure in the Midwest. I think there's 30, Jeremy's at 30 soccer fields. I can't remember exactly how many. I'm going to look that up. Go ahead. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a massive complex that draws over 3 million sports teams and visitors a year for tournaments from all over the Midwest. And they happen to have, you know, like uh, four acres, three and a half acres of trees right in the middle of all the fields. It's also the home of the Indianapolis Colts summer training. So it's quite the facility. And one of the things we looked at was that it uh, allows people who are not athletes on the field to do something at the same location. So just for, and
3: just for uh, clarification, there are 31 outdoor soccer and lacrosse facility fields, three indoor soccer, football and lacrosse fields, 26 baseball and or softball diamonds, and an indoor basketball facility all
2: on the same campus. And it's owned by the city of Westfield. And just like we talked about in the beginning of our podcast, uh, it's a public domain. They built an amazing place. But there's always uh, shortfalls in you know revenue, you know for one reason or another. It's a giant facility, and it's hard to monetize every inch of it. So we will provide part of. We're going to be a tenant, and we're going to provide them not only with revenue but also entertainment for all the people who come watch the events and have nothing to do. Uh, we've tried this out. Jeremy, tell them about Raleigh.
3: Yeah, in our in our Raleigh facility, we have. Uh, the, the 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 land that we're on just directly adjacent to it, uh, there are two just two soccer fields and one indoor basketball facility that has two uh, east west courts, one north south, and um, we get so many people coming to our facility just were there to watch to try to kill some time either between games, before games, after games. Um, one thing in particular that we're noticing is, you know, Lance, you bring your, uh, your theoretical, you know, son and your daughter, who's not quite old enough to, to be a part of the team comes with you to watch. And well, they see this, this really cool looking thing in the trees that they're going to do and, and, and they're going to have just as much fun, if not more than your son. So, um, what we've noticed the most with that is the younger kids, like the ages four to seven. There's tons of that where they want something to do and they're driving their parents crazy. So we create, we expanded down there, our junior park, which is that age group four to seven. And we've seen the, the number of climbers there go up by 150%. Um, so it, it's been just an absolutely huge change um, just since those soccer fields have been installed. And we just only expect that to be like 15 fold, you know, at the, at the large
0: facility. I think that's amazing. I was just thinking, we have a unique group here where we all know about like retail site selection or being a tenant. We've all had some commercial background. Um, I did a lot in site selection, which was part of my software background. So I think it'd be great if we could talk to entrepreneurs that are either looking to like open a gym or a brick and mortar and really just give them your experience of like, what are the best things with site selection? So we're gonna have a lot of people from real estate looking at this, but also a lot of people that follow us on social who might just like wanna open a store and they're like, oh, that's a cute place, but they don't understand everything that goes into like finding the right spot that'll bring in the right revenue. Does that make sense? Either one of you can talk about this.
2: Well, this just to give you an example, um, the, other sites we have one is located at a public university, across from a Whole Foods. A uh, lot of families in that area, because Whole Foods opens the, in the areas where they're attracting a certain demographic. Um, the other park is located in like a giant veteran community off of uh, really close to 275 freeway which goes north and south through Detroit. Ann Arbor is not far away, Brighton, city of Detroit. So there's basically three and a half, four million people within 45 minutes. That's an easy one to find the site. Not easy, but everyone can figure that out that, hey, somewhere near this is great. The Indianapolis site is going to be interesting. And the reason it's the first one we're going to do where a real big part of the uh, revenue and the income, and you really got to identify us is from the teams themselves who are coming there. And it's also about um, attracting kids from the area who are not really in the sports. We're talking about also doing uh, camps there. So it's a little bit of a different, um, uh, I would say business plan, but demographic than we would do at a normal park. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, let's say you wanna do a coffee shop, right? Okay, so everyone knows the hipster coffee shops are really cool. They make the uh, little heart thing and the uh, cappuccino, which I still don't know how they do that. That's like so cool how they make the heart. But um, it's one thing to open that business, that cool coffee shop. But how many people a day are walking into that coffee shop? How mo- what's the average sale? How are you getting more people? Is there an easy place to park? What happens when it gets cold? What are you doing Monday at 4 p.m.? Are you making any money? So all those things really factor in into a true business, you know, um, it's easy, not easy, but you could say, hey, I want to open a, a rock climbing gym. I want to do a trampoline park. I want to do that. Okay, well, they do work. The question is, do they work in the exact location you want that you're thinking of near your house? How are you going to make sure or, or help promote that this works? And, and to
3: me, I think for uh, it, 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 there's a million reasons and things to consider um, with site selection. For our industry, a big part of it is is population density, um, just putting it plain and simply, um, just because uh, it's such a new concept um, that exposing as many people as you can to it is only gonna be advantageous to you. So that's kind of the, the wider end of the funnel before you start you know, getting closer and closer to that to that narrow
0: end. I'm sorry, I turned off my camera just to see if the internet will be a little bit more stable on my end. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, is there software you guys are using or are you just using like public data to choose? Because I know there's tons of site selection options all the way down to like cameras that count people. So what are you guys using?
2: So Megan, that's a really good point. Most um indoor facilities, you know, very quickly have the demographic study and the commercial real estate information from CoStar and so on, that there's, you know, 8,000 cars driving by, you know, four times a day type thing. That's not the case in our business. Um, So we more look at um, who else is in the area? You know, is there some big, uh, good private, you know, high schools? Is there a lifetime fitness is there a Whole Foods? Um, how many people? Is, is there a um, what's it called? Uh, Tap Golf? We we know those guys are experts at finding sites that um, meet their uh, demographic requirements. For us, it's a little trickier. But if we generally go somewhere near them and it's accessible, we know we got a good chance. And the other
3: part of it is on the flip side is using. I don't want to use using uh, other locations that aren't ours or ours, you know that, that have seen specific challenges in their attendance. Um, there are, we've been able to locate and identify some cues and clues as to what we should avoid just based on, um, you know, the different, uh, different parks that are around the country, ones that are bigger versus smaller, busier, less, you know, less busy. There's definitely some
2: uh, some trends that we're following as well. You know, our, our site selection also, um, there's a barrier to entry. It's not easy to find a site when you do find a site it has to meet the local zoning and convincing people that you're doing this thing in the trees, you know, and not hurting the trees and it's good for the environment. It's a beautiful thing to have in your, in your city is not that easy. Um, if you go do a, uh, you know, a restaurant, you walk in and, you know, people know what they serve and is, is there enough parking? And um, it, it's a lot easier story than, than sort of showing people and sort of explaining what we really
1: do. I'm glad you explained a little bit of the difficulty because otherwise, you know, uh, I was going to be forced to go in and, and compete with you because it sounds like so much fun. Uh, there, there's a significant arborist uh Involvement, right? There's like legitimate, you're, you're really taking care of the trees.
3: Yeah, I mean, we so before we start a site, we have arborists come in and, and assess everything and let us know what trees are good to use and not to use. And every year, um, the site is inspected by a certified inspector um, that I mean, you know, the health of the trees. And it the, the thing that we always say is we never want to hurt a tree because that's our lifeblood. Um, so we have every impetus and every reason to want to you know continue that and, and foster the health of the forests that we're in um, and the ones that we're not in just because you know we're we're built
2: on quite literally the environment you know most forests i don't know if you guys get a chance to go to your local county park or whatever and you, and you go and park your car and then you walk into the forest if you really look carefully most forests are very neglected. You know, trees are down. Uh, there's too many little saplings next to the other ones who are not getting any light. Some of the trees who are there, who are large, have you know insects in them, and so on. What we do is when we find a site, we're we're getting rid of the trees that are unhealthy. We're we're making the forest so the healthier trees who really can survive survive better. And obviously, you know creating our park inside of that while not hurting the forest and, and giving people that opportunity to experience it
1: it sounds like a win-win not just for you and the, the landlord and and all the people that you serve but the trees as well it's pretty awesome
0: it really sounds amazing um i'm like can we open one by yosemite which is not your like ideal demographic uh, oh, oh trust me uh, megan
2: my favorite <laughs> park in the world is yosemite Um, somewhere between San Francisco and there would be great. We, we prefer to be a little closer, but in the Valley, when you drive in Yosemite, can you imagine a park on redwoods? It'd be just psychotic. Um, but I would think that the environmentalists are so strong out there that even if you show them that it's not hurting the tree, they still wouldn't be happy about it, but we can build courses with, you know, telephone pole type things, uh, steel poles. And just uh, like wow. the park we're going to do in Indianapolis, we're actually doing majority of the park with poles next to the trees, so we're really not affecting you know the healthy trees or not use, utilizing them. And that we awesome. could do yeah. Yosemite. So
1: yeah, so I think that there are plenty of places uh, that you you could and should expand to. If someone listening, you know, agrees and has a parcel three to five acres, uh, what what do you think? Um, what neighborhoods or what cities are you targeting right now that you might be hot to trot with them? Oh, man. Um, I've
3: always said, and hopefully nobody steals my idea, I've always said Minneapolis is right. Um, just because of the sheer size and there's nothing there. The problem with Minneapolis, it's a very short year. Um, so, you know, a lot of places, um, you know, that's fairly temperate are, are great. SoCal is awesome. Like Gall was mentioning, we'd love to find you know, we'd love to get into SoCal. Um, There's so many different places that you could theoretically open a park because it's such an underserved market um, that, you know, you're just looking at this point, you have to look at competition and population density um, and kind of weigh those two factors to start um, and say, hey, are there enough, you know, are there enough people in this metro area? It doesn't necessarily have to be within the city limits, but the metro area, that's that to me uh, is is probably the number one barrier to entry, um, and then you have to look at and assess. Excuse me, what other what other people or entities are already existing in that
2: in that space? Like take Chicago for example, incredibly large city. There are there could probably be five adventure parks there. There's one small one, and then there is a new like Canopy Tour one. Um, I, we've looked there many times because it's driving distance from Detroit area. The problem is that the city of Chicago literally owns all the parks, all the green space and trying to, you know, approach them and make a deal with the city of Chicago requires a ton of, uh, political ties. Um, and they have endless parks, by the way, that are really, as I mentioned, I wouldn't say neglected, but. Half the trees are just down, lying on the ground, you know, it's that, and it is nature. You don't really have to do anything with them, but the parks could be much more beautiful and much healthier uh, if they actually went through and cleaned it up a little bit.
1: Well, I believe in Chicago, so hopefully someone from there is listening. If they wanted to get in contact with you and, and maybe uh, put a project together, how, what's the best way to do that? What's your, uh, are you on Twitter or are you, you're not on TikTok? Uh, we are on Facebook. We're on
3: Instagram. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, so those are some, some social media avenues. You could, uh, tr- go to our websites, treerunnerparks.com. Uh, there's contact forms there to get in touch with us, um, phone numbers. So we're, we're, uh, we're an open book in that way. And, and happy to chat.
0: I, I have one call last you. question. <laughs> <laughs> Lance who already works with them. I may call you. Um, what do you guys need right now? Are you looking to fill certain positions? Are you looking for help in certain areas like investment? Like how can our listeners either contribute or help you guys find someone?
2: Well, Jeremy, you can start answering that if you want. Uh, probably a most immediate needs um, is our? Oh, I don't wanna,
3: I don't wanna you're, you're teeing it up. And um, so our, our next project in uh, Indianapolis
2: well, it's hiring season though, aren't you well, guys working yeah. already on hiring?
3: We are, oh, staffing is always number one. We've been very fortunate in our at our parks that we've had um, uh, a very, uh, we haven't really seen the same issues that a lot of other retailers and at the end of the day are having, unfortunately. Um, we've been very fortunate because we're outdoor, we're socially distanced, that, ever, that we've never particularly had the same hiring woes at the same level. We're um, f- it's fun to work for us, uh, so definitely hiring is is always number one and always forefront in our minds. So if you have and you college- guys
1: you guys killed it during COVID because you were the only thing open, right? Yes, yeah, so we uh, we we
3: were quite literally the only thing open um, at one point in time. Yeah,
2: but I I wouldn't you know it was hit or it wasn't that clean of a mm-hmm. discussion. While we 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 did a lot better in general admission the standard school groups, corporate groups who were a major part of our business did not come out to the park. And we're starting to get them back now, but um, no, we, we changed, I wouldn't say we changed our business plan, but it was much more about general admission than big groups.
1: Right, obviously yeah. the best uh, corporate team building because of possible. Yeah, yeah we,
2: I mean, we had in
3: 2019, you could point to almost a third of our business being large groups, not just small groups, birthday parties, that doesn't count, large groups. So um, the fact of the matter is we had to, losing that in 2020 and 21, we had to reassess and reevaluate, um, you know, it was gonna be either adapt and adapt and thrive or you're not gonna survive um, post COVID. So uh, we were able to do that and uh, have changed the model to an extent. And uh, now we're only hoping and, and, and expecting um, that when we come out of this on, on the other side, uh, stronger as a, as, a, as a community and as a, as a country and as a world, hopefully, um, that we're gonna see our successes that we've created only be personified by the increase in group uh, visitorship when they come back.
2: And we also um, are coming out uh, probably in the next week or so with our full investor offering for the new property we have in Indianapolis. Uh, we've raised some of the money. We're progressing and, um, you know, uh, we're happy to share that if someone's interested, but it's not just an investment and in something that will return your money. It's also uh, fulfillment that you're investing in something that people can experience outdoors, especially during this COVID time.
1: And this is not financial advice, but that sounds like a good thing to invest in. Man, Jeremy, I'm blown away. You're, you're, you're quite a uh, role model for uh, the young people out there. So uh, good, good find, Gall, good find. Yeah, he's going to get,
2: please everyone give him your cell number and Jeremy will call you tomorrow at 445 when he wakes up.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm just calling me the front desk. I'm like the wake up calls.
2: If people remember. Make those. sure you're all in bed by night. So.
0: <laughs> Can we get you one of those like tax services where you send out mass tax like Gary Vee and you're like, get out, go run. Get out and go run.
3: Hey, I get yelled at. I don't care how much like light up gear I wear in Michigan when I run in the morning. Invariably, at least once a week, someone stops and says, tell, uh, yells out of their car window, how crazy I am to be running this early." Doesn't doesn't matter
1: how much visibility stuff I have on. You need to be sponsored. What, what brands? What brands should reach out to you? Yeah, there you go. Twinkies, Arterra, Twinkie,
2: Hostess, Hostess,
1: Lance, Lance, Lance Arcterics. 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 and and your footwear.
3: Oh man. Oh gosh, Saucony probably.
1: And what's your favorite uh, shoe store? Oof, Gazelle in Birmingham.
2: Gazelle, is, Gazelle is pretty good. They're expensive, yeah. but they, they do a nice job. You feel yeah, they if you want
3: yeah that. they know their stuff down there. It's 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 a store probably three miles from
1: Golanice, uh respective homes. Okay, I get ten percent. Awesome, That we talked. Well, about we it. just
2: want them to communicate with us because we we tried to do some you know brand building you know trades with them and they're located in all the places that we have parks so that's probably the biggest thing we'd love to do more branding with uh, similar brands
1: wonderful and speaking of similar brands um meg and i were committed to doing uh this project for quite some time but we also have an idea for another project called god mode meg do you want to explain what god mode's all about I feel so
0: bad that I have such a delay on this recording because you guys are getting it like five seconds later. So I'm like, here's my question. And then it's just silence.
1: Um, I'm marking down when you speak so so we can cut the longest. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So God mode is basically this idea that, well, one, when we were first looking at it, we were thinking like, who are the most successful people we know? but it's really kind of turned into this like almost, there's like this thing in gaming, which neither of us are gamers, but we're aware of this where like God is, where you kind of just like go into this space where you're doing really well. And you look back and you're like, wow, I got everything done. And I like excelled in this short amount of time. So the idea is to take everything we're doing and put it into books or a book, um, maybe more podcasts, um, but we're asking all of our guests, who inspires you? Who do you think like really is this definition of God mode of, you know, they do everything very well and you kind of look at them at, like, I want to be like them or they inspire you to really go after things.
1: It can be personal relationship or hero worship. That's a tough one. Oh
3: man, you really sprung this one on us. You're gonna have to cut out a bunch of dead time. That's okay. It's okay. Write it down.
1: I mean, I'll send it to you so that you know that you took this long to have a. <laughs> talk. Cole, what, what do you got?
2: I'm not really sure where to start, you know. Um, but we're happy to, uh, you know, help out or give you any of our
1: uh, quotes anytime. This is, a, this is an embarrassment of riches because Gall, I happen to know, is one of the most connected people like anywhere, especially in Detroit. And uh, n- not, not to say that you name drop, but I do, I do know many of your friends and I wish they were my friends. Uh, well, you know, the, everyone disappeared during
2: COVID. I would say we're definitely acquaintances. Um, I did meet, uh, uh, was it Perlmutter several times? Ike? Which was he he's a guy who owns Marvel and sold it to Disney but still runs it. Um, it's fun, fun to talk to him. There there are some guys here, but you know, I'm interested to see who who really answering wants to get together now with uh, what's going on the past year and a half, two years. Let's get because just emailing and you know, texting them, it's it's a little hard to get, you know, really a hold of them.
1: Dude, that's so crazy. Uh, that definitely wanna meet Mr. Promoter. Uh, one of my first dream jobs when i was a child was to be the president of marvel comics uh i didn't do that but uh, i did get a letter back from the president of Mar- marvel comics with the spider-man on uh on the stationery. back when people actually had you know corresponded that way because my dad had me write them a letter saying that i needed to get career advice i was like six or something like that it's pretty cool anyway yeah that that, that qualifies for god mode how about you jim you you got some god buy you some time oh man this is a tough one um
3: man, I'll stay personal and go sappy. Like I have family members on my, like my uncle and my grandfather that are just like, I don't know how they do it. My grandfather's 90, 93, and he's still working like to this day, like he would, he could never not. And it's just, uh, there's a, there's a level of like, wow, if you can do that, like that's my goal. And I don't want to, you know, you don't get, you don't get stiff and old You get, you don't get old and then stiff, you get stiff and then you get old. So um, i that's probably, probably would have
1: to be my sappy answer for sure. Okay. Well, a few other family members, uh, I'd be happy to hire them anytime. Sounds like you got good stock. Work until you die. This is great. This is beautiful. God mode.
2: Um, well, at least, at least keep really busy. That's the key. Keep busy. Get out of the house in the morning and keep busy. Doesn't necessarily always have to be work, but
1: keep busy and you'll be sane. Awesome, well, I will give uh, Meg just one more chance to break in here in case she has any time delayed uh, questions for you.
0: Appreciate you guys, and thank you so much for doing this. Um, Hopefully I will tag along on a tree runner trip. I've been trying to bargain- We're coming out to stay with you in Yosemite. Trade him.
2: When can we come stay with you in Yosemite so we can go for a do. We'll do one mile of the Pacific Crest Trail.
0: Anytime. I also have, so this, we probably don't need this on the recording, but my sister and her friend did like three weeks. They did the John Muir Trail summer. Have you guys done that?
2: No, the Pacific, I really want to do it. I did a little bit of a an Wild,
1: but. Okay. Well, I guess that's the end of the pod. Thank you guys so much for coming. Once again, what's the best way for people <laughs> oh to reach out and learn more about, uh, about tree runner.
3: Yeah. Catch us on uh Look it for us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, check out our websites, treerunnerparks.com.
2: You can get to all of our locations from there. Um, you can always uh, just go to Lance's house, knock on the door. I'd recommend that personally.
1: Strong. Um, okay, well, then I'm going to go ahead and uh, suggest that anybody that wants to make these guys a TikTok account, uh, sounds like probably something that they need. Oh, hold on. You're right. We do have a TikTok. Oh.